This audio recording is produced by Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous, also known as FA. FA is a program based on the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. It is free and open to anyone who wants to stop eating addictively. The following is one FA member's story of recovery. The opinions expressed here are those of the individual member and do not represent FA as a whole. If you are new or uncertain about FA, we encourage you to listen to several stories to gain an understanding of what the program offers. For information on the FA program, please visit our website, foodaddicts.org. Those who wish, please join me in a moment of silence in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And um, the leader qualifies. And I can't even tell you how grateful I am to be here and to be abstinent and to be thin. Um, And not eating one day at a time and not drugging and drinking and all the things that I did in my life. I'll tell you a little bit about where I was what happened and where I am now. Um, one of seven children and I'm second from the youngest. I um, had four brothers and two sisters and myself. My uh, family life was very chaotic growing up. Um, my mother died when I was nine years old. My father was left with seven children and um, he really didn't have a clue in my opinion but he did the absolute best that he possibly could. My father's an alcoholic and um, he had been in the army for 28 years and that's what he knew. He knew how to be in the army, he knew how to work, and he knew how to drink. Um, He knew how to keep a roof over our heads. Um, We could reach my father anytime we needed him. He was only a phone call away, but you can't bring up seven children by telephone. It doesn't work. Um, so it was basically seven kids bringing up themselves and there was a lot of chaos, a lot of fighting, a lot of, a lot of stuff going on. Um, I believe every single one in my family is touched by the disease of addiction, is, is more than touched, um, is owned by the disease of addiction. My father was over 500 pounds. My mother died when she was in her very early 40s from lung cancer. No, not from lung cancer, from cancer. My oldest brother died in his, his, uh, he was 48 of lung cancer. My two, uh, two of my brothers were over 500 pounds and heroin addicts. My sister, my oldest sister, who took on a lot of the maternal responsibility after my mother passed away, Um, came into this program with me at almost 300 pounds. My youngest brother died at the age of 16 of a drug overdose. Um, So the the disease of addiction is rampant in my family. Um, So that's that's the history, a little bit of the history. And um, I don't remember a lot of my childhood, but I do remember food being very important to me. This morning I had 
so many remember wins. I was thinking about Thanksgivings, you know, when I was a young girl. And my aunt, who lived in Fall River, she used to come and visit us. She was an elderly woman, and she used to come and visit us. And I remember watching for her coming off that Greyhound bus with all the little white bakery boxes, you know, and I knew what was in those bakery boxes, and that's that was my, you know, I, I wanted those bakery boxes. Auntie Flessie, great bakery boxes. Um, I remember shortly after my mother died, my father had um, sent me to Virginia to visit with an uncle and an aunt. And um, I was thinking about them this morning, so I picked up the phone and I called them to wish them a happy Thanksgiving. My uncle now has Parkinson's disease, and his wife uh, was in a major accident, and she's got four crushed vertebrae. So they're both, um, they're both, you know, invalid. And um, so I called them this morning, and I, I wished them a happy Thanksgiving, and just to let them know I was thinking of them, and I was talking to them about when I came to visit them. My father had put me on a Greyhound bus. I was about nine years old. God bless my father put me on the bus by myself, and my uncle said to me this morning, he said, I don't know how you made that switch over in New York City at your age. I said, well, God was shining on me even then. I said, because there was this little old lady, she was like my grandmother. She took me by the hand, and she took me through the terminal, and she made sure that I made the switch just fine, you know. And um, then we were laughing because... He was saying how unhappy I was when I was there. And I said, yeah, I said, because Lucille put me on my first diet and um, she, would, she wouldn't feed me. So, you know, we were laughing. And he said, um, you know, he asked me where I was working and all this other stuff. So I was telling him that I was working with one of my sisters. And he said, oh, yeah, she was the only thin one in the family. I said, yeah, I said, but today I'm thin too. And I proceeded to tell him that, you know, 200 pounds has come off my body, and um, it's been off for 10 years, thank God. And he was, you know, I told him a little bit about program and stuff, and it was just a really nice conversation. And then I, I called my aunt, who lives in Florida, who was up here um, for my father's birthday in August, and, you know, just reaching out to people and saying Happy Thanksgiving, because I am so thankful the life that I have and um, it's just wonderful so um, I grew up and I got into high school and um, by this time my father had remarried when I was about 13 now let me back up a little bit my father had had some kind of a, a seizure it was an epileptic seizure and they put him into the hospital and he stayed in the hospital for almost a year, I would say. And he was up at the Naval Hospital in Chelsea, and they put him on this rigorous program. And he got down to a normal-sized body. And I relate to how my father felt at that point, because it happened to me once. He, f he must have felt like a million bucks. And he went out, he found himself a wife, he remarried, and um, unfortunately, they were both alcoholic, and they, they got active and it wasn't a pretty picture. By that time it was just myself and my younger brother were living at home and she had a daughter and we all moved in together and it just wasn't a pretty picture. So my younger brother ended up moving in with my 
sister who had taken on a lot of the maternal responsibility, and I moved in with the other sister. They were both married and um, had houses, and so that's how it was. So by then, I was a junior in high school, and I decided that I was going to quit school. I had had enough. And my sister told me that if I didn't go to school, I had to go to work. I had to do one or the other. So I went to work in a factory. I got cured quick and went back to school. And when I went back to school, I hooked up with a girl who had done the same thing as I had. She had um, left school, but when she came back, she really wanted to make a comeback, and she really wanted to do it right. So I got together with her, and we graduated high school with the honor roll. And uh, for that, I am truly grateful for that. Then, um, after high school, um, and even even before high school, before I got out of high school, I moved around a lot. You know, I stayed with friends. I was the kind of kid, even as a very young girl, I was the kind of kid who always wanted to come for dinner and never go home. Um, I remember... When I was a young kid, I went across the street to a friend's house and I asked her to ask her mother if I could stay for supper. I can still vividly see what she pulled out of that oven and I wanted to stay more than anything and she wouldn't let me. And I hated that woman for that. I was so angry at her that she wouldn't let me stay for dinner. I remember I would go up the street for Italian food, to the other friend's house for Polish food, you know, the girl who I used to go for Polish food, last week her father just passed away, and I went to that wake. And we were at the wake, and what did we talk about but how we used to eat together, you know. And um, she said to me, remember we used to go to your house, and um, we in my house we had this big deep freeze, and my father used to bring home these containers of, of things, and... And she said, remember how we used to sneak in the deep freeze, she said, and, and get all that stuff? And, you know, it, it's, it's amazing, you know, but we share this disease. And even as very young children, that's what we did. We'd go to each other's house and we'd eat. I knew everybody's ethnic background, and I knew what kind of food they liked and when they ate it, and I was there. Um, and I always weaseled my way in. So, um, so after high school, um, I got hooked up with this, this girl who was a single mother and on welfare, and she took these diet pills, and she loved these diet pills. And I used to go to the doctors for her because I was always obese, and they would, um, they would prescribe me these pills, but I didn't take them. I'd give them to her. And she'd offer them to me, but I, I really didn't want to get into it because I had seen what drugs had done to members of my family, and I really didn't want, you know, want to get into it. But I got to the point that I really wanted to take off some weight. So I started to go to the doctor for myself. And at that time, I weighed 289 pounds. And this doctor put me on these diet pills, and I love these diet pills. I swear I was born an addict. And I started taking them, and those diet pills worked for me once, taking off the weight. I got down to 200 pounds, and I thought I was body beautiful. I thought I was Miss America. I was going to go out there, find myself a man, and everything was going to be just honky-dory, you know. 
And that's why I say I relate to my father, how he must have felt, because that's the way I felt, so I'm assuming that's the way he felt, too. I went out there, and I hit the bars, and um, I found myself a man, and I spotted him from across the bar, and I made a beeline over to him, and I knew, I knew that he was my victim, and that was it. He was my prey, and that was it. I was in for the kill. And we got into a relationship quick, real quick, and the first, the first night that I met him, he had told me that he was 19 years older than I was, he had a wife, he had a son, but he hadn't seen them in two years or more. So I thought, not a problem, not my problem. You know, I assumed that he was either divorced, separated, it was over, no problem, that was it. We, um, we moved in together, my daughter was conceived, and then I realized that that wasn't the case at all. He wasn't divorced, he wasn't separated, they had a long distance relationship. He just hadn't seen her in two years. So then he started flying back and forth, and um, I stayed in that relationship for 11 years, and I knew it was no good from go. But you know, these pills, they work for a while for the weight. For me, they worked for a while. And then I built up a tolerance. So if three is good, four is better. Four is good, five is better. Five is good, six is better. And that, for a very, very long time, I abused, I was addicted to these drugs. Um, When I got pregnant with my daughter, I, I wanted a healthy baby more than I wanted anything. Well, God was, God's been very, very, very good to me. And um, God gave me that healthy baby. And for that, I will be eternally quick. best days of my life. Of the days that my daughter was born healthy and that I was able to get abstinent in this program. Because those are both direct gifts from God. So, um, God gave me that healthy baby. And once that baby was born, it was no holds barred, you know, then I was, I was off and running big time. My daughter was born in October of 1979. In December of 79, my sister, who had taken on a lot of the maternal responsibilities, had bought a house um, and they were in this house, and um, at this point in her life, she was getting a separation from her husband. She had three children, but she, her third floor tenant moved out, so she, I asked her if I could have that apartment with the understanding that I would pay the second mortgage. That would be my rent, and, you know, we had this, this thing worked out, and that's the way it was supposed to be. I moved into that apartment in December of 1979. My daughter was two months old, and my sister, God bless her, 
she was into the same thing that I was. And we were just, we were like, I say we were like the dynamic duo, you know. We were like Ike and Mike. We loved the pills, we loved the booze, we loved the nightlife, we loved, we loved to party. And that's what we did for a very long time. All my money went to addiction. That's where all my money went to. Drugs, booze, cigarettes, food. That was it. That's where all my money went to. I didn't pay a bill. I didn't pay gas, but I lived in that apartment for six years without gas because they took the gas meter out of my house. I couldn't shower there. I couldn't cook there. I couldn't heat up a baby bottle there. If I couldn't do it on a on a on one of those hot plates, I couldn't do it. Um, and that's how my daughter grew up for quite a few years, was growing up for, for quite a while. So, and I was getting crazier by the minute, and I was getting fatter by the minute. This weight was coming on, and, you know, the pills just weren't doing it anymore. And I was eating and drinking and smoking, and what the pills were helping me do was to do all that stuff faster. That's all they were doing. And um, I knew I was crazy. I knew that I had, I knew that I was a drug addict. I knew that I was an alcoholic, but I had no clue that I was a food addict. I just thought I was fat, and if I lost weight, I'd be okay. And today I know that I am a food addict, and that is a wonderful gift in my life to know that and to know there is a solution, and this is my solution. So one day I was in my house, and um, I, um, I was at my wit's end, and I had three other children beside my daughter in the house. And I sat down at the kitchen table and I thought, this is it, I can't take anymore. God, please, someday, make me normal without these pills, you know? Well, prayer doesn't fall on deaf ears because God heard my prayers. It didn't happen immediately, but it happened. The doctors that I was going to, one of them retired. The other one got his license taken away. The pharmacies that I was going to, having them refilled illegally, one of the pharmacists had a heart attack. He had to close up shop and retire. The other pharmacist got arrested. His partner wouldn't do the illegal refills anymore. Little by little, these pills were getting taken out of my life. So then there was, um, there was a friend of my sister who... Um, my nephew was going to be married in um, April of 1988, my oldest nephew. In February, we went to a bridal shower. And this woman came to this bridal shower, and I had known her all my life. Her and my sister taught me how to walk. And um, this woman came into this bridal shower. I had known her all my life, and I had seen her yo-yo. One time I'd see her at 350 pounds, another time I'd see her at 120 pounds. You never knew where she was going to be. Well, this particular time she walked into that bridal shower, she looked gorgeous. She had this dungaree dress on, and she just strutted into that room like a million bucks. And she had the smile on her face, and she was radiant. And I looked at her and I said to her, What the hell are you doing? And she said, Away. And I thought, whoa, what's this? You know, she looks fabulous. 
And she proceeded to tell me about how she found a boyfriend. He was in program also. He had once lost, he had once weighed 485 pounds, was now in a normal sized body, and she was very happy, and da da da. And um, previous to that, one of my brothers, both of my brothers had gone to prison, but one, one of them who was in prison, someone from program had gone there to do outreach, and he lost 130 pounds in prison. He sent me a letter home telling me, and he gave me a phone number to call. But I wasn't interested because I wanted these pills to be my answer. I wanted those pills to be my solution. I couldn't, I couldn't function without them. So I kind of filed it away. And then when this woman showed up at the bridal shower and told me she was in program, I, you know, I thought to myself, wow. And previous to that, another friend of my sister now, remember it's getting hard to get these pills, another friend of my sister had said that she knew of a doctor who would give me four months of pills if I lost weight. But if you don't lose weight, he shuts you off. He doesn't write the script. So um, the wedding came in April. This woman showed up at the wedding, and I, I got to meet the boyfriend. And um, they danced, and they had seemed to have a very nice time. And I thought, wow, this really looks good, you know. Boyfriend, thin, happy. Why not? I need to lose weight. I can get four months of pills if I can lose weight. So I figured in four months, I could drop 50 pounds, no problem. And um, that would be it. And then, you know, I wouldn't have pills, so I figured I'd blow up you know, explode, whatever, but I didn't care. I didn't care. My focus was to get the pills, get 50 pounds off, get a little relief, and you could all kiss my ass because I'd be out of here. Well, I went to a meeting. It was on a Thursday night in Chelsea. Um, my sister and I went to a meeting together, and we walked into that room, and I remember looking around, and I remember seeing the majority of people there were thin, and I couldn't understand that. And I heard people get up and say they had lost 135 pounds, and this one particular girl that I'm thinking about, I think she said 165 pounds. She looked like a million bucks. She looked like she never had an extra ounce on her, and I couldn't figure out where all the hanging stuff was. You know, I couldn't figure out where all that fat went and how could she look like that. She looked like she maybe, you know, maybe she lost 10, 20 pounds. What do I know? 165 pounds, she's telling me she lost. Another woman get up. She lost X amount of weight, was very happy. Her life was turning around. You know, another guy get up and said, the only exercise I do is bend my knees in the morning and at night. And I thought, I can do that, you know. And, um... So I sat and I listened, and at the end of that meeting, a Greta came over. Or it was during the break, the Greta came over. And she showed me her pictures, and she was a very nice, kind, elderly woman. And she talked to me, and um, she said to me, um, she said, so what's your phone number? And I said, oh, I don't have a phone. And she looked at me, and she said, oh, we'll have to do something about that. And I thought to myself, this broad has no idea who she's dealing with. There's no way I'm going to have a phone, you know. But I just, like, kind of dismissed it. I just dismissed everything that I 
didn't want to deal with. I just dismissed it. Um, so I went home that night. Another woman, the woman who lost 165 pounds, showed my sister her pictures. My sister and I went together. And she showed her her pictures, and they were very, very impressive. And um, I went home that night, and I knew there was something at home that I was going to eat, and I knew I was going to eat it. So I went home, and I ate it. But, you know, somewhere along the line in program, I had heard, I heard that once you come into program, it's never the same, and it's, it really isn't the same. I went home and I ate it, and I had eaten that thing before, but it just wasn't the same. You know, it probably had something to do with it. It was sitting in the box and drying out all night, too, but, you know, it just, not that I hadn't done that before, because I had, but it just wasn't the same. But I promised myself that I would go to another meeting. The next meeting in my area was Saturday morning. So... I got up and I went up to that meeting and it was at St. Luke's Church in Chelsea. And when I walked into that room, that greeter who had greeted me saw me. She was standing on the other side of the room and she saw me come through the door and this big smile came across her face and she came over to me and um, she said to me, I'm so happy to see you. I'm so glad you came back. And I thought to myself, this bride better get a life. I don't know what she wants from me. You know, why is she so happy to see me? I couldn't figure it out for the life of me. Now I know very well what it's like to see a newcomer come through the door in that kind of condition and to see them come back and keep coming back and get well. It's such a gift. It's such a wonderful gift to try to help somebody else to get what you've been so graciously given and um, so I sat down at that meeting and I sat in the back of the room and I'm sure a lot of it went over my head but what I heard there was I heard a lot of things but some of the things that I can remember right this minute are don't leave this room without a sponsor and um, I heard a lot of hope there and a lot of people's lives changing so at the end of the meeting, I sat through that meeting and I cried because I related so much. And I was really desperate. So people had stood up to be greeted, sponsors, whatever, and I went around to everybody and this one was a greeter, that one was a greeter, and I was so emotional. By the time I got to my fourth person, I was like, who the hell is a sponsor? You know, and I was sobbing and carrying on. Well. I remembered that the woman who I had seen at the bridal shower had also stood up. She was at that meeting, and I made a beeline over to her, and I, I was crying. I couldn't breathe <laughs> like this, and she took me over in the corner. She gave me a hug, and she said to me, everything's going to be okay, you know, and I said to her, will you sponsor me? And she said, um, she looked at me with this look of fear. The way I perceive it is she really didn't want to, but... She was afraid that I wouldn't ask anybody else, so she agreed. So we went outside and we were talking, and um, she was telling me about all the tools of the program. She was telling me about sponsorship and literature and writing and, you know, all the, all the tools, the literature and everything. And she said to me, now, she said, if I tell you what to eat, will you remember? And I said, no. 
she said, okay, you go home, get me your sister's phone, and either I'll call you or you call me, write down everything I tell you. Okay, I could do that. So I went to leave the church, and I went to click the gate at the church. I'll never forget it as long as I live. And she held up her finger, and she looked at me, and she said to me, no medication. And I thought, oh, you know, she just burst my bubble. This was it. So right then and there, I thought, well, I'm not going to say anything. I went home, and I got near the phone. I did what she told me, and I still have that little notebook that I wrote down all the food that I could eat. And I decided just to ignore it, you know, the no medication thing. Just dismiss it. Like I did everything else that I didn't want to deal with, I dismissed it. But, you know, that's lying by omission. I know that now. At the time, it was just dismissing it. Um, so I was on one hell of a diet for quite some time. And I was weighing and measuring for the most part, and I wasn't eating flour and sugar for the most part. But every once in a while, I'd go out on this little toot, and sometimes I would tell my sponsor, sometimes I would not. And um, so this went on for a while. But the weight was coming off. The weight was falling off my body. When you're that size, when you stop eating flour and sugar for the most part, weighing and measuring for the most part, you know, the weight comes off. It's inevitable. You know, it's inevitable. So, because you have to do a lot of eating and take in a lot of stuff to maintain that body size. And, you you know, when you stop, you the body size comes down. So people thought that I was just doing marvelous. This doctor that I was going to that was giving me the four-month pills thought he was wonderful. He thought I was fabulous. He thought everything was just terrific. I swear that that doctor would have kept writing, you know, had I, um, because I was doing so good. But my sponsor, now I'm coming to meetings and I'm hearing people how they're getting healthy, happy, their family life is changing. You know, it's a, it's a wonderful thing happening to these people. And I really wanted to be normal someday without these pills. You have to remember what I asked God. So, um, about four months into it, my sponsor said to me, Look, darling, I don't know what's with you, but, you know, you really have to participate in this program. I understand you don't get up and share because you've broken your abstinence. You know, you don't have 90 days. I understand you don't get up and share, but you have to get up and read. You know, you have to read from the big book. You have to do this. You have to participate. Participation is a big part of my program. So at a Thursday night meeting, I raise my hand, and what do I get called on for but how it works? I get in front of the room, and I read how it works, and that was the first time that I really heard how it works. I think that's my favorite part of the book, big book. And I started to cry, and I couldn't stop, and I couldn't continue to read. I put the book down, and I went and sat down. There was a guy in the front row, and he said to me, but we love you anyway, darling. And he really sent me off because I started to cry like I never cried before. I went home and cried. I cried and cried, but I made myself a promise because I thought I was one of those people who was constitutionally incapable, but that big book told me that if I got honest, I had a shot. I was desperate. 
I had the gift of desperation, God, G-O-D, gift of desperation in my life. So I promised myself that I was going to get up in the morning and I was going to call my sponsor and tell her everything that I was doing. So that's what I did. I called my sponsor and I was crying like no tomorrow. And I said to her, remember that day I sat outside of St. Luke's Church? You know, I told her everything that I was doing. and I said, remember that day outside of St. Luke's Church and you said to me, no medication? And she said to me, I don't know what you're talking about. I never said that to you. And I said, of course. Of course you said it to me. It's been on my conscience ever since. I said, and I've been taking these pills and you told me no medication and I've been lying. What we figured out was she didn't say no medication. She was telling me about the tools of the program. She said to me, oh, meditation. But what God had me here was no medication. I'm telling you, when I, I can tell you story after story how God has taken care of things in my life that I could have never dreamed up in a, in a million, million years. I had one just this morning. <laughs> and um, it's a wonderful thing. So I made a decision that I was going to give this program my all. I was going to give it everything I had, and I was going to get honest, and I was going to just do it. You know, I heard that if you work this program the way your disease worked you, you'll be a winner. Stick with the winners, you'll be a winner. I did everything that I heard, you know. I heard a woman getting up in front of the room saying she was going to 90 meetings in 90 days, and she was doing fabulous. I could hear it in her. I could see her getting better, and I could hear it. So that's what I decided to do. I decided to go to 90 meetings and I decided a meeting a day. And I did that for a very long time. Nobody told me I had to do it. That's what I knew I had to do. Instead of popping a pill, I did a meeting. Instead of taking a bite, I made a phone call. If I wasn't on the phone, I was at a meeting. If I wasn't at a meeting, I was on my knees. If I wasn't on my knees, I was taking quiet time. I was reading literature. I was writing. I was doing whatever I had to do not to eat one day at a time. And I took a lot of showers, I took a lot of naps, I took a lot of everything. <laughs> and it was wonderful because I was starting to feel good. I was starting to feel human again. You know, a lot of weight had come off my body and I was able to get on a bicycle and ride a bike with my daughter. We went bike riding all over the city of Chelsea. You know, we, drove, we rode down to Riviera Beach. We were all over the place. We had a wonderful time. And the way I figure it is God took my mother when I was nine and he gave my daughter back her mother when she was nine because by the time she was nine years old I was abstinent in this program and she had a mother and I am so grateful for that. So that first sponsor that I had ate and I got a second sponsor and the second sponsor ate. By that time I thought, geez. What's going on here? What am I bumping them off? Well, what's the story? I got this third sponsor. And this third sponsor, you know, they were, all, they were all very special people in my life. I have to tell you that. And this third sponsor, she, um, I was hemming and hawing about this chicken because in my abstinence, I was eating two pieces of chicken and a can of green beans. And that, that was my abstinence and that's the way it was. Everybody else was doing four ounces and six ounces, but I was eating, not everybody else, but, you know, the majority of people. 
So I get on the phone and I'm hemming and hawing about this chicken and she says to me, oh no. She says, not two pieces of chicken, darling. She's in what my two pieces were were two large boneless breasts. Those suckers weighed about 10 ounces, you know. So um, she said, no, darling, not two, ounce, not, not two pieces of chicken, but four ounces. You put it on the scale. Well, you know, up until this point, I never knew what to call myself. I didn't know if I was a compulsive overeater. I didn't know if I was a, I thought food addict. No, I'm not really a food addict. 350 pounds, you'd think I would have known I was a food addict. But I really, I wasn't convinced. Oh, and she told me four ounces of chicken. That was the convincer. Because I thought that I was going to die. I thought that I was going to starve to death without my chicken. And I told her so. And I cried over that chicken, and I screamed, and I fought, and blah, 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 blah. She was really very, very kind, loving, and consistent. And she kept saying to me, Darlene, just one day, just do it one day perfectly. I kept saying, I can't, I can't. And she said, you're absolutely right. You can't, but you and God can. She said, you ask God for help. You drop that chicken on the scale. You weigh four ounces. You dump it in your plate. You eat it. You know that it's enough. You're not going to die, and you'll be okay. Well, and she kept saying, less is more. And I thought, yeah, right, less is more. I'm going to starve, blah, blah, blah. But like I said, I had God working in my life, G-O-D, the gift of desperation. So I was willing to give it a try. I showed up at the scale. I asked God for help. I dropped that chicken on the scale. I asked God to help me stop it for. I dumped it in my plate, and I ate it. And it was enough, and less was more. I couldn't believe it. So that was the second most fabulous day in my life. One, the day my daughter was born healthy. Two, was the day I found God by dropping the chicken on the scale. I knew without a doubt that that was God doing for me what I could not do for myself. Ever since that day, I've been abstinent one day at a time in this program. And for that, I am forever grateful. Over 200 pounds has come off this body, and it has been an incredible journey. I can tell you at that point, I am a stubborn son of a gun. And at that point, I thought that sponsor was nothing but a controlling bitch. And that was it. I was getting rid of her, so I fired her. Even with the wonderful spiritual experience she helped me to achieve, I still, that's, you know, there's something wrong upstairs. (laughs) But I got my fourth sponsor. And at that point, I could, I got into an AWOL because I wasn't taking the pills anymore. So I got into an AWOL. I got into the AWOL and was with this third sponsor. And we were on the third step in that, in that AWOL was when the chicken and all that happened. And then I got my fourth sponsor. And that fourth sponsor helped me through the rest of that AWOL. And many, many changes happened through, through that. So, um, um, so many changes happened through that AWOL. 
and I got a full-time job, got off welfare, and many wonderful things happened. Well, I had that sponsor for about four years, and um, she ended up eating, and that was a devastating time in my life. That it was a really hard time. But the good news is, is I ended up with my sponsor who I have today, which is a woman who I have the utmost respect for, who has been a part of my recovery since the very beginning. I met her at that Saturday morning meeting. I saw her get up and share. And she's always been, she was one of the co-leaders of every AWOL that I've been in. And she has really been a wonderful, wonderful person in my life. And I am truly grateful for her. So, I have to wrap it up. But I have so much more that I could tell you. Um, I can tell you that I did a lot of crying. And, um, you know, the the co-leader of the AWOL called me up and she said to me, come over to my house. And I went over there and she said to me, what's with all the crying? You know, this crying has to stop. What's, what's the deal? What do you want from this program, she said. And I sat there and I sobbed and I said, all I want to be is a mother to my daughter. That's all I want to be, a mother to my daughter. And she said to me, Darlene, I guarantee you that if you keep going to your AWOL, keep coming to your meetings, keep asking God for help, keep not eating, I guarantee you, you will be a mother to your daughter. The woman has never lied to me because that's what I am today. I'm a food addict in recovery, not eating one day at a time, with a 19-year-old daughter who just moved in back into the house last week, and I'm a mother to her. And for that, I am truly, truly grateful for my life. And it's all because of this program. Many things have happened, many wonderful things, many happy things, many sad things. You know, coming here this morning, um, I was in a car accident, and that's why I was late. I got hit by an 18-wheel truck, Um, but I'm fine. You know, my car's a little banged up. If it had to happen, it couldn't happen any better. You know, the guy got out of the truck. He said to me, I know it was my fault. I'm sorry. I didn't see you. We looked across the street, there was a state trooper. He came over, called AAA. AAA came, I gave him the keys to my car. He dropped me off here. I'm qualifying. I'll go back, pick up my car, and I'll be on my way for Thanksgiving Day. And um, I just, I can't believe my life today. I can't believe that I have a car in the first place. I can't believe that I stand before you in a, a thin body, a sane mind, in this peaceful, easy feeling that I have most of the time. Actually, all of the time. I have this inner peace that fundamentally all is well. Because you know what? The food doesn't own me. The drugs don't own me. The booze don't own me. The cigarettes don't own me. I was able to get out of that lousy relationship that I was in for 11 years. My daughter was able to go to, to camp Um, I'm able to function, you know, I'm able to take care of myself and my daughter. My sister, you know, she left program and um, she's been in relapse ever since. My first sponsor has been in relapse ever since. You know, I have a front seat, you know, to see how progressive this disease is, but I also have a front seat to see how wonderful 
this recovery is because I know many, many people and I happen to be one of them. And I hope one day at a time for the rest of my life that I am involved in AWOL and living this program to the best of my ability. This program as I know it today is FA. And this program as I knew it then was OA, but it was always the way that I know it today. I was very fortunate that I came in to meetings that were good and strong, 90-day meetings, and knew that they were food addicts and knew how to treat this disease, you know, and know how to deal with it one day at a time. And that's where I want to be for the rest of my life. So I am eternally grateful, and I hope you all have a wonderful holiday. Oh, I'm sorry. That's not it. <laughs> um, after a moment of silence, all those who wish, please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thank you for listening to this audio recording. To hear additional recordings or to learn more about Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous, you can visit our website, foodaddicts.org.